Hey guys. Uh, yeah. This is not my bag, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a quirky podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Christina. And my name is Jose. And this week we will talk about life at home during the shelter in place. But first, let's talk about what we have on tap. All right, so we have this delicious Modelo. So I had been drinking Negra Modelo, mm-hmm. the black model. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what it means. Um, the last few episodes. So this is actually the... Especial. Yes. Especial cerveza. Sí. Yeah, this was your choice, which was a really good choice. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those tasty beers that goes down really well. Yeah, like Lala, apparently. What? <laughs> What the hell was that? I mean? Like, Lala. Well, you know, doesn't she do BJs on the PJ? Oh, my God. I cannot <laughs> believe we're talking about this. You're so editing this out. <laughs> the only thing that will be different is it's not going to be like, oh, we're going to be traveling on a private jet to Mykonos, yeah. which, guess what, honey? There's a lot of out there for me to suck to get on a PJ. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I should keep it in. That was pretty, that was pretty freaking fun. Mm-hmm. I will say that the only thing is now if I need beer, I have to go out to the store. So it's like I'm putting my life on the line to go get beer or cloves of garlic or whatever. Right. But uh, it's worth it. Because your wife definitely needs it in her dish and cannot do the dish without it. So True. you take one for the team. That's right. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> People say I got a drinking problem That ain't no reason to stop People saying that I've hit rock bottom Just cause I'm living on the rock And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Christina and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about or mildly interested in for about two minutes, though we tend to be long-winded, so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, as per usual, I'm going to have my Christian two minutes, uh, or longer. So I just want to acknowledge that uh, we are in what's called the Easter season, also called Eastertide. Uh, Eastertide is basically 50 days, right, between Easter Sunday and Pentecost. And Pentecost actually means 50 days. Sometimes we'll hear non-Christians say things like, oh, you Christians just stole Easter from these pagans and it's a pagan holiday. Well, no. Every time I hear someone say that, I think, oh, here is an ignorant person just repeating some nonsense they found on a Google search on some random blog. Actually, it comes from the Jewish holiday of Passover, which commemorates the Jews' freedom from enslavement in Egypt. The final plague was the night when they had to slaughter a lamb and paint the blood over the door frame, mm-hmm. right? So to commemorate that, going forward, they would slaughter a lamb, an unblemished lamb, mm-hmm. and they would eat bread. It was unleavened, unleavened bread. bread. And they would drink a series of glasses of or cups of wine. And that would be followed by 50 days of a harvest festival, which would land on the 50th day called Shavuot, which commemorates the giving of the law to Moses. So for Christians, Easter is when Christ sets us free from enslavement, from sin. And then we have our 50 days of Easter tide, which lands on Pentecost, which is the giving of the Holy Spirit to the apostles, to the disciples, and to everyone else who welcomes Jesus into their heart. Right. Right. Who's born again. So that's where where that comes from. And um, if you're listening... You can celebrate Easter still during these 50 days by reading the book of Acts, which is the account of the early church. Mm-hmm. So there's my red talk. Yeah, I'm glad that you're taking the time to break down this time um, of celebration. 
because a lot of people get it wrong Mm -hmm. or just kind of fill in the blank or... There's a bias. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I always have those friends who are on Easter post like, oh, this is just, you know, a celebration of some random pagan god of fertility. Yes, yes, I've heard that many times. No, that's a load of bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) This comes from the Jews and the Passover and their celebration. Right. This is not from some random pagan celebration. This comes directly from Jewish people. Right. This might be a daft question, but I'm sure a lot of people have the question when they stop and think about it, where does the Easter Bunny come from in all of this? You know, and I think that's where people go down that that pagan uh, mythology road mm-hmm. about the Easter Bunny and its origin. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I'm assuming that aspect probably does have like a pagan origin, like bunnies being a symbol of um, fertility, you right, know, like right. reproducing like jackrabbits, <laughs> you know, and eggs, of course, kind of being like, you know, a newness or a symbol of right, life. Right, right, you know? yeah. Anyway. But that's separate, yeah. I think. For Christians, it's like this weird, yay, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Now let's go outside and hunt for Easter eggs. It's kind of this weird blend. It is. It really is a weird blend. Um, Because I know a lot of Christians who, you know, celebrate uh, Easter and, you know, Christ's death and his resurrection. And then take their kids right out back and (laughs) do an Easter Yeah, we did that last year. I'm kind of glad this year, and I think I mentioned this to you uh, a couple weeks ago. Not a couple weeks ago, but um, this past Easter week. I'm kind of glad that we're here for quarantine. Mm -hmm. And we're skipping the whole brouhaha of Easter, Mm -hmm. you know. And I feel like it's isolated us to where... We can really focus on the meaning of Easter. Right. Without all the, yeah, Easter bunnies and chocolate bunnies. Yes. And it's so fun to do things for the kids. And I think this is where um, a lot of us parents, you know, we want to pick stuff out for our kids. And we want to see the excitement on their faces as they go and look for these eggs and the baskets and, and candy and all that stuff. But... I really feel like this year, because of what's going on, it's really forced a lot of us to think about the real, true meaning of what we're celebrating here. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What do you have for us this week? Oh, goodness. My Fred talk is pathetic in comparison to yours. (laughs) (laughs) I've done this 50 times. It is super pathetic, but of interest to me because I'm... I'm a nerd that way. I like weird, random, scientific stuff. But my Fred talk is uh, about the zombie snail, uh, a.k.a. the um, leucochloridium paradoxum. And what it is, is it's a parasite that um, makes its way into a snail, and it, like, zombifies this snail. It just totally takes over the the snail is you know the lights are on but nobody's home and it makes its way to its eyes or antenna or whatever they are i think it's the eyes Mm -hmm. and it mimics um a worm and so some of these snails you'll see like these bright flashing colors of like green and black bands and it mimics a worm And it'll literally drive, like, a snail to the edge of a leaf or, you know, some part of a plant or a tree so that a bird will come and swoop up and eat it. Well, when the bird eats it, it ingests its (laughs) larvae in the tummy, the eggs or whatever, and then it poops it out, and then some unsuspecting random snail you know runs over it and it just starts the cycle all over again but i'm just fascinated because you know people have come across these snails and like oh my god this thing is just so bizarre looking what is going on with this snail well it's literally under the control of this parasite Mm -hmm. and this parasite is super smart it has its life cycle and that is what's literally driving this thing right so i love that you said that the lights are on no one's home oh (laughs) that cracks me up but then 
it's it's interesting how kind of nature works like that, yeah. where here's a creature whose sole existence is to be eaten yeah. and by a bird right. and excreted. Yes. What to is, start the whole cycle over again. Yeah. So the, and I thought about uh, the brain slugs in Futurama. Oh, God. They're parasitic slugs that attach themselves to the brains of people. Yeah, and it's like the lights are on, but no one's home. On to new business. Today's mission is for you all to go to the brain slug planet. What are we going to do there? Just walk around not wearing a helmet. Sounds great, Hermes. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> or how about uh, Star Trek and the Wrath of Khan? When they uh, put that little bug, alien bug, in... Um... Oh, God, what's the... <laughs> Blanking on the character with the Russian accent. Chekhov. Yes, Chekhov. So Chekhov gets captured. Khan slips this alien larva pod thing into his ear mm-hmm. and lights are on. Nobody's home. Nobody's home. You see, they're young. Enter through the ears and wrap themselves around the cerebral cortex. Uh, this has the effect of rendering the victim extremely susceptible to uh, suggestion. No. So the whole cycle basically is just attach yourself to the snail. Yes. Which is like a dumb, slow-moving creature to begin with. I believe it's a gastropod. No, it's a gastropod. Gastropod. A gastropod. And then the gastropod maneuvers itself in such a way to where a bird will eat it. No, the, the snail is not even in control. I mean, the, yes, the, the parasite, the parasite the... is in the driver's seat right. of this snail. So that's funny. The snail is the vehicle, the parasite is the driver, and yeah, it positions itself to where it will be a tasty little snack for a bird and start the whole process again. So there's no sex involved in any of this. No. I no mean, intercourse. No. What a boring, sad existence. Wow, yeah. There's intercourse of the brain of the snail, oh, if you yeah. will. <laughs> It's like an Alanis Morissette reference there. Oh, God. What is it? Some Alanis. intellectual intercourse? And all I need now is intellectual intercourse. She was not my favorite. No. I found her very boring in the 90s, although she's very talented. She's Canadian, so she has all that free health care. Yeah. So. Canadian, eh? <laughs> although the one thing she did have going for her, I've got to say, is... Her booty. No, not her booty. Well, she's, she does have quite a booty on her. Just so I'll acknowledge that. I no. had broken up with her and Jagged Little Pill came out. I was driving in Detroit and that song came on the radio and I was like, wow, this is a killer song. This yeah. is, whoa, she sounds familiar. That's Alanis. <laughs> oh. No, Ryan Reynolds. What? She was engaged. What? To Ryan Reynolds. There's nothing that we don't share. Floor space, dental floss, even condoms. Okay. Another guy with a booty. For those of you who don't know me... I am full of useless, random, pop culture, music information. So, yeah, I know these stupid facts. (laughs) Perfect for podcasting. But they pique my interest. You know, I mean, I think Ryan Reynolds piques a lot of ladies' interest. So, But anyway, so that's my friend talk, the zombie snail. Zombie. All right, I really love that song. So, as we move into the main segment of our show here, Christina my beautiful, sexy wife, and I are going to discuss, <laughs> are going to discuss kind of life as we shelter in place, the ways that we're keeping ourselves occupied, the TV shows, the music we're listening to. Um, I call this time free play. Free play. We're just playing. Anything goes as far as what we've been watching. And yeah. 
busying ourselves with during this time. Yeah, so one of the nice things um, about this has been the fact that we don't really have to get dressed, shower. Uh So we're just kind of lounging in our pajamas. I've not changed really at all today. You haven't put a bra on today. I I know, it's wonderful. (laughs) So we're just, yeah, we're just chilling with the baby, keeping her occupied, feeding her throughout the day, and then tuning into Hulu and checking out. Yeah, I mean, we've pretty much been watching uh, anything on Bravo. Uh, Vanderpump Rules. It ain't about the pasta. It's not about the pasta. Uh, Summer House. Shaws of Sunset. Real Housewives of New York. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And by the way, all of these Bravo shows are super super juicy right now yeah like i mean that's the best way i can explain them i mean so much drama and we've been watching these shows for years Mm -hmm. and right now i i really feel like these shows are like at their peak with like the juiciest drama yet Mm -hmm. and what a time for this drama right now i mean it's just Palpable, which is to our benefit, you know, because, mm. you know, what the hell are we doing? We're watching <laughs> We're shows in. Yeah, during this time. But uh, It'll yeah. be interesting next year. I think you made this point. Oh, yes. yes. That uh, next year when we watch these shows, uh, the coronavirus, the quarantine will be, I'm assuming, part of their season storyline. Right. Or, you know, you know it's got to be affecting filming uh, right now. Mm-hmm. So whatever Housewives franchise would be filming right now, uh, you know, we're all on lockdown. We're all supposed to be doing social distancing. So I'm really, really curious to see how this plays out for next year's schedule, next year's season. And I, I wonder if they have stuff in the can. I wonder if they have stuff in the can already that maybe they're going to air next year. So I'm really super curious to see just how much of an impact this is going to have on not just the Bravo Mm -hmm. channel, but, you know, all of our shows. Yeah, a lot of the Disney Marvel movies, um, they're getting pushed back. Right. I think Black Widow is actually going to be posted on Disney+. Plus. Wow. Well, I think it'll go first to, like, Fandango, all those home movie apps. Yeah. Then Disney+. Plus, But um, so much for Scarlet. Johansson's, you know, Marvel big screen movie. Yeah. And then uh, what else? Just everything. Yeah. Mulan. Mulan. That was another one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's affected a lot of these Bravo people. Like, it goes right to Andy Cohen himself got coronavirus. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. And a lot of the people you were telling me on Summer House. On Summer House. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the cast on Summer House uh, ended up getting corona. So... It's crazy just how much New York City uh, alone being an epicenter of this pandemic. It just it's, everyone is affected, you know. Yeah, not really. I think that's good. Let's let's get into the movies. So one of the movies that we watched that we really liked was The Invisible Man. Yes, starring. Um, Elizabeth Moss. Yes, Elizabeth Moss. She's famous from, from... The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of Handmaid's Tale lovers out there. Yes. I've never watched it. And... and I don't know who plays the Invisible Man. You don't really see him except for the beginning. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a huge movie buff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know this guy. Like, I've never seen him before. I don't... I don't know who he is. Jackson Cohen. Yeah, so he seems generic. <laughs> a little bit. Of all the actors, he's one of them. Um, but, you know, he was in Faster in 2010 with The Rock. Oh, God. I hate to say this, but The Rock has done a lot of forgettable stuff. What do you mean? He was in One-Legged Die Hard. 
Which we did not see because we knew that it was one-legged Die Hard. <laughs> what was that movie called? That's how memorable it was. <laughs> Tell you what it is right now. Skyscraper. Skyscraper. Yeah, Skyscraper. A.K.A. One-legged uh, Die Hard. <laughs> He's a gentleman with one leg. Goodness gracious. <laughs> His leg apparently is a uh, prosthetic. I guess he got some flack from the handicapable community. Oh? Yeah. They should have hired someone who was missing legs. Yeah, so Katie Sullivan, who is an actress and also a Paralympian, as she is a bilateral above the knee amputee, she's written an open letter to Dwayne asking him to rethink the roles he takes. A study done last year says amputees are the most marginalized group in Hollywood, and while she's thrilled that there's a big budget movie featuring an amputee kicking butt, she says it also means performers with disabilities are being sidelined so that able-bodied actors can play at what it's like to live life at, with a disability. What we lose in that is a genuine, authentic perspective. Huh. Wow. I was honored to play an amputee and to make sure that uh, I did right by them and made sure that we the research was very extensive, spent a lot of time with amputees, spent a lot of time very specifically with a man by the name of Jeff Glassbrenner, who's here tonight. He was the first American amputee to climb Mount Everest, an amazing man. So there's two sides to this. One is a big spectacle, big summer fun. The other side is making sure that we paid homage and respect to amputees around the world. Oh, that's a tangent. So... The Invisible Man. Sorry. <laughs> that's all good. It was really good. It was totally <sighs> unlike the original version. Yeah. I'll show you who I am and what I am. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, from the opening credits yeah. to the very end credits of this movie, it was palpable. Mm-hmm. The tension was just always there like when you think you've got it figured out mm-hmm. it just twists and turns and turns out I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time we were watching it mm-hmm. i think there was a reference to the original invisible man um when she's in the hospital and there's a guy all wrapped up in bandages right i did pick up on that like the og version right but in this version of the invisible man the character her boy her boyfriend yeah he has developed this technology. Suit, yeah, if you will. He's into fiber optics, and mm-hmm. so he invented this suit, yeah, with cameras all over. Mm-hmm. So he's able to be stealth, like the Predator. Yeah. You know, he's invisible, and you can kind of hear Minus him. Minus the dreads. Minus the dreads and the <laughs> faced. Oh. <laughs> okay, face. It's your move. The face? The with fangs? Yeah. Jeez. It's a throwback. Okay, yeah. Danny Glover. Hey, tangent, I love Predator. Yeah. I mean, that was like, that was a badass movie mm-hmm. back in the day. That was. And that, you know, special effect that they did, that was like some major stuff for that time, you know? Yeah, you know, when they made the suit originally, it looked terrible. Yeah. It, looked like, it looked like a little orange, you know, dinosaur. And uh, originally, the person inside the suit was Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's right. You yeah. have mentioned that to me before. And they brought in a new costume guy. Michael Anthony Hall, I believe. Is Michael Anthony Hall? Kevin Peter Hall. Kevin! Uh, okay, so his name's Kevin Peter Hall. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like crazy basketball height status like six foot seven or some astronomical height right um but he also played harry from harry and the hendersons okay i'll take him back that's right and he ended up dying of the aids he did yes unfortunately i don't know how he contracted it um from sex no, I don't think it was sex. I think it was like a blood transfusion or something. Oh. I want to say 
So actually, I went to a horror film convention in uh, Sacramento, and they did a little tribute to Kevin Peter Hall. And they had the guy who played Harry from Harry and the Hendersons in the sequel, mm-hmm. who was also a, a giant man. He was there as well to kind yeah. of talk about taking the mantle. Yeah. After. So I was correct. He did contract uh, AIDS via blood transfusion. Oh, okay. Yes. My bad. Way to freaking just assume the worst there, pal. Way Jumping. to stereotype. Jumping to conclusions. Gotta be a jerk about it. <laughs> but you know who designed the Predator costume? Who? My man, Stan mother Winston, who also designed a lot of creature costumes, really famous for designing all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a you legend. You are a Jurassic Park nerd. True. Certified. Nailed it. Yeah. So, so anyway, that was a side sidebar there. Sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as we have our sidebar here. <laughs> I know. Ugh, I need to fill my sidebar with more bar. <sighs> so back to the Invisible Man. So I'm sorry, everyone, for this tangent. Yeah, it was really cool to see. Well, actually, you don't see the Invisible Man, but they suggest or they imply that he's in the room. Whether you can see his breath in the um, cold air, um, or you can kind of see his footprints on the floor. Or on a blanket that uh, Elizabeth Moss is pulling. So they find kind of subtle ways to show you that he's in the room. And but the trippiest one though, because everyone thinks she's crazy that she's lost her mind, right? Elizabeth Moss's character escapes from basically the loony bin, meets up with her sister, and tells her, "Look, you know, my ex figured out how to create an invisibility costume, and I know that he's doing this, and I can prove it." And right when she's explaining this. You see, like, this knife kind of float okay, up in the air. spoiler alert. You are totally giving away, like, major parts of this movie here. Oh, yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. I continue. My bad. So if you want to see this, <laughs> skip ahead 20 seconds. <laughs> or 30 seconds. But, um, yeah, this knife kind of floats up in the air and then just slits her, slits wrist. her sister's throat. Or wrist. Yeah. <laughs> Slits her throat. And her sister's like <sighs> bleeding out, and they're in this fancy restaurant. Everyone starts freaking out, of yeah. course. <laughs> they tackle Elizabeth Moss, and she's arrested, yeah. hauled off to jail. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Yeah. Super. And tense. then everything from there is just crazy like that. Yeah, crazy town. In, in some capacity, yeah. So that leads us to our next movie that we watched today, actually. The Gentleman. Oh, yeah. The Gentleman is directed by Guy Ritchie. And, I mean, this movie was so good. Talk about twists and turns, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you think you got to figure it out. And it just throws you another curveball. And I was on the edge of my seat with this one, too. You know, there's that movie anxiety, you know? Mm-hmm. like. So basically... What it seems like is, um, from the get-go, you have um, Charlie Hunnam, mm-hmm. and you know he's coming home from wherever he's been, mm-hmm. and he's confronted by a guy named Fletcher, yes. who's played by Hugh Grant. I want you to play a game with me, Ray. I don't want to play a game. Oh, please. No. I said play a game with me, Ray. Man. Right. Lovely. Yes, and this is Hugh Grant in a capacity that I have never seen Hugh Grant in before. No, he plays a total... Like Cockney, yeah, but he's kind of like a a weasel in this movie. Well, yeah, a Cockney weasel, a Cockney weasel, a cock weasel, a cock weasel. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's a cock weasel. But usually, he's like no, but like Hugh Grant's usually like the love interest. Like he's the playing, dapper, yes, he's playing Bridget Jones, mm-hmm. stringing her along. I tell you what, I have an idea. Um, let me finish this while you go home, have a have a long hot bath, and I'll call round and we'll have dinner later. Okay. Is there someone here? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Unless that Bosnian family's moved in again. Bastards. You know, he's always kind of the awkward befuddled. Notting Hill, Julia Roberts. Yeah. He's always in that kind of role where he's like the leading man. He's romantic. Handsome, romantic, funny, awkward, quirky. Well, okay, have you seen his face lately? It looks like an old weather baseball mitt. 
I love Hugh Grant, but like his face is just uh, really, really showing his age. He's old, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, they say white people don't age well. So he plays Fletcher, this cockney kind of weasel guy in this movie, which is out of character for him. Uh-huh. And he's trying to blackmail Charlie Hunnam's character. And his boss. And his boss. Who is played by Matthew McConaughey, by the way. Yes. All right, all right, all no, right. No, I knew you were going to do that. All right, all right, all right. Okay, I hate it when my husband does this, by the way. I Anybody who knows us... Like, my brother and sister, for example, know that my husband loves to do the Matthew McConaughey dazed and confused, and I'm not going to do it because I can't, you know, do it like he does. But you, in your mind, tend to think that you are just spot on with this all right, all right, all right. And, babe, I love you, but you're not. (laughs) I think it's pretty decent. I'll have to watch but the movie anyway, again. Matthew McConaughey is the boss here. In the jungle, the only way a lion survived, not by acting like a king, by being the king. Oh. Brilliant. The boss man, Mickey um, Pearson. Mickey Pearson, and he is a. Um, pot farmer, if you will, you know, underground pot farmer. Literally. So basically the concept is that... I mean, are they called pot farmers? What are they called? They're like, I don't know, it's like a marijuana farm. I don't know. It's some high tech. He sells Mary Jane stuff. Which is funny because April is the fourth month and we're in the year 20, so the whole month is 420. Oh, wow. No wonder everyone's been blazing it up during this COVID. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> exactly. Crazy. But, uh, so basically the, the whole idea is that because England is so small and has a land scarcity issue and they have all these rules and regulations in terms of allowing public to access what would be private property here, it's really hard to have a bunch of marijuana farms. Right. So he's basically aligned himself with like a thousand millionaire billionaires in England, and he uses their property to grow his marijuana. Well, lords, if you will. Lords, lords of du- the manor. Duchesses. Dukes. Dukes of hazard. And then he processes all that weed, all that marijuana underground. Yeah. So he, it's like a hundreds and hundreds well, and hundreds of millions of dollars a year he makes. He refers to himself as the king, right? The king. He's not the tiger king, but he is a king. Yes. And he has to maintain that position amongst all these other bad guys, if you will, that are vying for his position to take over. And that that uh, really good-looking Asian guy uh, from Crazy Rich Asians, I think his name is Henry Golding. Yes. He's in this movie, and he plays like a badass drug dealer, kingpin, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is so crazy to see this guy in this type of character because he's been, I don't know, in his last couple movies, like a romantic lead. And so now he's like playing this drug lord, you know, wanting to take over the scene, if you will. Yeah, he's trying to uh, take over Matthew McConaughey's empire. Right. And uh, McConaughey has this whole, let me tell you a story about a dragon. There once was a young and foolish dragon who came to ask a wise and cunning lion about acquiring his territory. Now the lion, he wasn't interested, so he told the little dragon to f*** off. But the dragon couldn't understand what the f*** off meant, so he persisted. So the lion took the little dragon for a walk and put five bullets in his little dragon head. Now you tell me what that story's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what he says to him. Oh, yeah. He's and like, you know what? This movie is riddled with hypothetical... Um, what do you call it? Like scenarios. Like daydreams. Yeah. Or scenarios. Tangent. It's like, wait, did that just happen? Okay, you see this guy just totally get killed or shot in the head or whatever. You're wrong, Fletcher. 
That's not how Michael works. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just having a bit of fun. Every movie needs a bit of action, doesn't it? So the reason why is because, as I mentioned earlier, is the whole film is told from the perspective of Fletcher, played by Hugh Grant. And Ray, who's Charlie Hunnam. And so Fletcher, though, is an unreliable narrator. Right. He's telling the story, and then he gets kind of carried away, and he invents tangents, or should have gone like this, or... Wouldn't have been he likes better. To fill in the blank. Yeah, it would have been better if it had worked out this way. Well, he's trying to pitch a script, basically, of of all the shenanigans that are going on with Ray's boss. Yeah. So, is he a reporter? He's a reporter. In some he's a private investigator. Private investigator. Yes. And reporters have hired him. Yes. To get the dirt the on dirt. Matthew McConaughey's character. Uh huh. And so he's like, "Hey, I've got all this dirt I've collected." I can either share this with a newspaper or you can give me $20 million and I will keep my mouth shut, basically. Right. He's blackmailing yeah. them. Yeah. So it's really, it's really fast-paced because it's, it's a story he's telling. Right. And, yeah, they kind of lean into the action. They kind of lean into kind of the, the dramatic back and forth. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's good. It was really good. So Guy Ritchie. Yeah. <laughs> Who has done Snatch, yep. Lockstock, Rock and Rolla, and Aladdin. Yeah. Of all things. Like, I, I just, I remember when there was talks of Aladdin uh, coming out, you know, the live action Aladdin. And I'm like, oh, seriously? Like, I was not on board with that idea. It was really hard for me to picture anyone other than Robin Williams filling the shoes of the genie. Right. But, you know, I watched it, and Will Smith did an amazing job. Yeah. And it was an amazing film. And then come to find out, Guy Ritchie directed this. A Disney film. Guy Ritchie directed. And so I was just kind of baffled by that because, you know, I know his body of work and the type of films that he likes to make. And this was just like a complete, like, surprise. Well, Guy Ritchie's been kind of on a losing streak recently. You know, he had that um, King Arthur movie or whatever. Also featuring Charlie. Which had Charlie Hunnam. And he had some other movies that were just so bad. Like Swept Away, which starred his then-wife, Madonna. Well, that's kind of old news. That's like old news. I don't know if that was before or after Snatch, Lock Sock, whatever. That was before Rock and Roll, I'm going to say. Yeah. So, yeah. The King Arthur movie was recent. In that, bond. that was recent, yeah. So he's had some movies that were kind of, like, disappointing. He had, like, the yes. epic movies, yeah. which you mentioned. But um, he's had some bombs. So he's, he was kind of a risk for Disney to spend so much money on him, especially when he's making a movie that's out of um, his, like, wheelhouse. Right. Right. Like Aladdin's not speaking Cockney, right? There's not this weird like timeline of events, right? Feeding no one, bodies to pigs. No one's getting their ass whooped. Like, although there are pigs in the gentleman. <laughs> yeah, and that's all I'm saying. I'm glad they didn't show it, but they I know, referenced God, it. I just uh, anyway. Poor pig, but uh, yeah, totally out of kind of what you would expect from Guy Ritchie, and he totally blew it out of the ballpark. Guy Ritchie. <laughs> yeah, no Madonna. Yeah, I think pretty much no anything... Jason Statham. <laughs> anything Madonna does is just bound to, to fail. Like, um, what's her face? Mariah Carey. You know, anything those women, those two women do in particular as far as film is concerned. Um, I thought Butterfly was a beautiful movie. Really? Butterfly? <laughs> Whatever that movie was That called. was the name of her album. Oh, uh, what was the movie she did then? Glitter. Glitter. That's right. Jeez. <laughs> Glitter. <laughs> like you're right. supposed to know this. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So anything that I think, and this is just my opinion that they do, um, just doesn't have success. Yeah. So, but Guy Ritchie on his own, sans Madonna, uh, has had some, yeah. quite a bit of success. So. And I really enjoyed his, um, Sherlock Holmes movies, like with yes, and I, RDJ, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. as Sherlock. He's got good stuff. I really love Snatch. Yeah, I mean, that's classic. That's yeah. a classic piece of like Dags? film right there. You like Dags? I like Dags. You like Dags? 
Dags. What? Yeah, dags. Dags? Do you like dags? Oh, dogs. Sure. I like dags. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so another Disney movie, though, speaking of Aladdin, that we watched, Frozen 2. Oh, God. And, you know, we only watched this, and I'm speaking for myself. I don't know about you, <laughs> but uh, because of our daughter, you know, like... Surprisingly, yes. she's... <laughs> That's why I watched Frozen 2, my daughter. <laughs> she's, going, she's going on 17 months here in a few days, and she loves Frozen. And she does. You put Frozen 2 on for her the other day, but I think it was really more for you than it was for her. Oh, my goodness. I really do. You came back from delivering something to someone. Yeah, I was not... In, I'm sorry, Frozen fans out there. I'm not a fan of Frozen 2. Yeah, I started crying. I'm like, what oh, the actual f-? Like, why am I crying? Jeez. <laughs> Surprised we were breastfeeding her. <laughs> well, Adina Menzel has a beautiful voice. It's yes. like a mixture of Jesus and Fergie. Your voice is like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. Oh, my <laughs> God. Okay, so has anyone been noticing that they're more of a crybaby during this time like you know lockdown or whatever I feel like I've been super emotional during this time I I can vouch for my husband too he's been emotional Mm -hmm. um just listening to Frozen or whatever watching Frozen or we've watched movies and we get super verklempt and I don't know what it is about this time um, and all that's going on in the world. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't take much these days to turn us into a bunch of crybabies. No, and it's just everything's heightened. Anxiety, right. depression. Right. Yeah, emotions. Everything is kind of heightened. Yeah. You know? Because there's so much that's unknown. Yeah. Like, we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know how the president's going to kill us all. Yeah. You know, it's everything's kind of up in the air. Yeah. It's a mystery. But talking about Idina's voice, mm-hmm. um, you know, another thing that we've been doing to pass the time, besides watching these shows and movies and whatnot, is listening to music. Oh, yeah. Or podcasts. Yeah. I myself have been kind of on a 70s kick lately. I love, love music. I am very eclectic. I listen to everything. But more specifically, I listen to things in cycles. So I will be on, say, a 80s new wave kick for a while, and then I'll move on to a reggae kick, and then I'll listen to some country. And so the cycle just goes on and on. And right now I, I find myself in a 70s, mm-hmm. like, classic rock kick. And uh, so... Yeah, I've been listening to well, Led Zeppelin and um, Ambrosia. <laughs> Journey. Journey. I love Journey. Um, but Ambrosia, because that reminds me of our wedding song, or what was going to be. What was going to be. Our wedding song. We ended up having our daughter <laughs> instead of doing... We were already married. We did a, <laughs> a quickie... Um, ceremony. Ceremony with our pastor. We jumped and, the broom. Uh, yeah. And um, we were going to plan this huge, uh, elaborate wedding, and I, I still have the wedding dress. And, um, yeah, we ended up having Frankie, which, you know, I'm so thankful for. So, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Worth it. Yeah, so music is another way, great way to pass the time. You're doing kind of this, like, 30-day music challenge oh, right. on Instagram. Yeah. How's that working out for you? You know, it's really hard because because I am so eclectic, it's really hard for me to narrow it down to just one particular song. Right. So if they ask you, for example, who's your favorite artist? Yeah, I can't. I honestly, and on that day, I played no song. Mm-hmm. I picked no song, and I just gave a brief description uh, that due to the fact that I am so eclectic, I will refrain from a musical choice mm-hmm. for this day because I there's no way that I could just pick one artist. I might have a favorite artist for the cycle that I'm in, right? Uh, for that genre, so s- some of those are kind of almost impossible for me. I really like the one post you did on your Instagram story. It was like the Cabbage Pale Kids, but it was Joe Exotic. Oh, God. Yeah, that um, I had actually taken from a buddy, Corey, uh, that I worked with uh, at Costco. 
and he had these two garbage pail kid memes and one was Joe Exotic and one was Carol Baskin. So I, I, I put it in my IG story for Joe Exotic. I, I picked the dueling banjos. Uh, <laughs> Classic. <laughs> to go with, the you know, Joe and the tiger. And for Carol, I picked some stupid, it's literally, it's under Tiger King. And it says, I hate you, Carol. Yeah. I hate you, Carol. Yeah, just play the clip because... I'll play the clip right here, yeah. <laughs> I can't sing. I hate you, Carol. I hate your blonde hair. I hate your Facebook posts. I hate you, Carol. But anyway, yeah, so I got a kick out of that. But speaking of Tiger King, mm-hmm. that has been like the number one trending show on Netflix for a while. Yeah, so actually I talked about this a couple episodes ago with Joel, and he, had, he hadn't watched it yet. And uh, some of our listeners ended up watching Tiger King because of it. So Mike Lewis from uh, Where Peter Is, who was a guest of our, sh- our show a couple episodes ago, he ended up watching Tiger King. So I, I kind of got back to him and said, oh, it was so good. I really enjoyed it. And he's like, I don't know about good. <laughs> I really hate this phrase, but it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just face value. It's like watching a slow motion train wreck. Yeah. And then as the train is wrecking, it's like an explosion of meth and, like, rednecks and mullets and magic they and always tigers. allude to the meth, you know, and I guess you, you see the physical consequences of it. His, one of his husbands was... You know, missing a bunch of teeth. He was a toothless wonder. One of his husbands, because he was a polygamist. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, that is the golden meal ticket right there. You know, you you take this white guy from Oklahoma who is uh, homosexual, but not only is he homosexual, he is a polygamist Mm -hmm. as well. And not only is he a polygamist, he owns this crazy ass zoo mm-hmm. with all these damn tigers 227 i've had two boyfriends most of my life i currently got legally married thank god it's finally legal in america i've had some kinky sex i have tried drugs through the younger years of my life i'm broke as shit. i have a judgment against me from some down there in florida yeah yeah and then you have the drugs in the mixture and then you add Carol Baskin. Mm. I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster. So do you, do you think Carol killed her third husband and fed him to the tigers? Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know many people who don't think that Carol killed her husband I in wanna, some capacity. I want to take her word for it because she seems like one of these nice, cool cats. Oh, God. Cool kittens. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. But then you look at her fourth husband. Something is off with him. Yeah. She's going to love him for the rest of his life, I'm sure. Yeah, right. Who knows how long that'll be. The rest of his life. But it was really good. I mean, why I say good? It was really entertaining. It was entertaining. Um, I could not look away. The mullet just kind of draws you in. The mullet with that, like, what do you call it? Uh, Like Fu Manchu or goatee combo he was rocking. I believe they call it a handlebar mustache. Handlebar mustache. Yes. A handlebar moustache. Moustache. A moustache, you a question. Yeah. So, somewhere in the rumor mill, I heard that uh, Trump was going to pardon Joe Exotic. But I don't know if it's so much the rumor mill as it is actual fact. I think he talked about it, didn't he? Or somebody asked him a question. It was a reporter that had asked him about Joe Exotic and... Yeah, a New York Post reporter asked Trump if he would uh, pardon Joe Exotic. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and so Trump said, I'll take a look. (laughs) And after that, back and forth, Jim Acosta from CNN, fake news, said, "Uh, can we get back to the coronavirus? Right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, actually, you know, Joe Exotic, speaking of presidents, he ran for president. In 2016. Which is insane mm-hmm. in itself. Yeah, but I mean, Trump ran. That's also insane. That, true. Touche. <laughs> but 
But I think he ended up <laughs> dropping out. In the documentary, it shows him running for governor of Oklahoma. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's when he hired this kid, basically, to mm. be his campaign manager. Yeah. Who, by the way, got totally screwed over. Oh, I feel so bad for this kid. Like, this kid is a genuine good kid. You know, a good guy, you know? naive but is super passionate about politics and saw an opportunity here with uh, Joe to get a little um, experience under his belt and why not I mean what do you got to lose right (laughs) but I think he said he worked at the local Walmart or something yes yes and he was a Walmart employee and he was talking to Joe Exotic and Joe's just like hey you want to be my campaign manager right and that's how it started yeah but uh, yeah he he got screwed over in that situation because he witnessed uh, one of Joe Exotic's husbands blow his brains out. That poor bastard. Like, just thinking about going back to when we were watching this for the first time, you know, you see his expression play out, you know, in front of you on the TV. Mm Mm-hmm. As he is in the midst of this moment, and the seconds seem to slow. Right. You know, and you're watching this kid's face, unbeknownst to him, that this this guy, I can't remember his name right now, but... Um, yeah. Didn't think that there was one in the chamber and off himself. Right. So the, um, Joe Exotic's husband, his name is not known to us at this moment, but he would walk into the room and just point a... What, a Ruger at people? Yeah. And uh, the campaign manager was like, dude, don't do that. That's not cool. Yeah. And the guy's like, ah, I took I took the magazine out. I took the clip right. out. Yes. It's safe. It, well, he wanted to show him that he couldn't fire the weapon without the magazine in it. Right. But he didn't know that there was one in the chamber. Yep. Ding dong. So he ended up, in showing that... The gun was safe, blew his own brains out. Right. By accident. And, and that campaign manager uh, kid, he saw the expression on uh, Joe's husband's face. Mm-hmm. And it was like a brief three seconds, like, oh, God, what did I do? Right. But it was too late by then. It was too late. Mm-hmm. But you can see the campaign manager's expression. Like, his hands kind of go to his face. And then he kind of walks over, like, am I being punked? Is this right. really happening? Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is he got no counseling, no therapy, nothing from Joe Exotic. And he had to go to work, I think, the next day and sit in that same seat, you know, where he could still see the bullet hole in the wall. I mean, given the circumstances with all these employees and whatnot, and they're they're eating the food from, you know, these expired bins and stuff, like, can you really expect him to, like, provide counseling for him for... His husband blowing his brains out. I mean, that's just far-fetched. I do love, though, when his employee got her arm ripped off. You love that? Well, no, I didn't love that. (laughs) I love how the... (laughs) No, I didn't love that. I do love, however, how... And by the way, I said her, but I think he identifies as a he. He's a he. Yeah. He's a he-he. A he-he. Yes. So, anyway, he... Had his arm ripped off by a tiger, uh-huh. and Joe runs over and puts on this EMT bomber jacket. Uh-huh. Really, you have time to do that when your <laughs> staff member is bleeding out from an, yeah having their arm ripped off. Yeah. Oh my God! I am never going to financially recover from this. I mean, I think that just goes to show the level of narcissism with right. this guy. You know, I mean, clearly he. Didn't have his employees' best interest uh, in mind, only how it would impact him and his business and try and save a little face. He had to look stylish. Yeah, I guess. Amid all this uh, coronavirus lockdown, uh, Tiger King was um, number one. Yeah. King of the quarantine. Yeah. He was the hero we needed and the hero we deserved. And you're going to have to kill me to shut me up. And I'm going to liberate the animal world. Anti-hero would be more correct. (laughs) Anti-hero. Entertaining nonetheless. But uh, Yeah, so it'll be crazy to see what other shows are kind of 
I'm going to come along here as we're in the quarantine shelter-in-place time. And this could go to, like, June, July. Who knows what Who knows? movies or TV shows will come up to replace the Tiger King. Right. You know, steal yeah. the throne from the Tiger King, Joe yeah. Exotic. Yeah. Yeah, if you follow us on social media, like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, just go ahead and let us know, you know, what you're watching. What are you binging yes. in this shelter in place? Yes, let us know. Because I think we're at a point now where we're kind of like, well, what else is there to watch? Yeah. So if you have recommendations, by all means, throw them our way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, so in this final segment of our show, we'll talk more about things that we are watching or listening to or reading. Mm. This week, um, I have actually come across from various friends on the Facebook um, a show called The Chosen. Now, The Chosen is a crowd-funded series, um, the first multi-season show about the life of Jesus, created by this um, evangelical guy named Dallas Jenkins. He was able to raise $10.3 million to um, produce, to film, and to put out there wow. the first season That's amazing. of The Chosen. But uh, they had a hard time getting distribution rights, so they ended up deciding to just create their own app and then through the app, you can watch the show. That's really cool. But the cool thing is you can actually, from the app, Chromecast or AirPlay to your TV, mm-hmm. your smart TV. Yeah. It's it's a really creative and interesting way, I think, to tell the life of Jesus. It's from the perspective of the people he encounters. So it's a really, and you get a really human perspective of Jesus. Mm. I think a lot of movies of Jesus kind of show like his divine side. Right. The stoic Jesus yeah. performing miracles and you know, being on the cross, which right. is, very, is which is very important. But this show shows the human side of Jesus. Yeah. Kind of joking and talking and sitting around a fire and talking to the apostles, you know, one-on-one. Yeah. Which is, I mean, what he was. Right. Fully man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fully divine, but fully man. Exactly. And people yeah. forget that human part. Yes. So that that's uh, really interesting. I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to watching that. It's, so it's like you see him healing the lepers, healing Peter's mother-in-law, talking to Nicodemus, which is a, one of the best episodes, episode seven, I believe, um, turning water into wine at the wedding, and just on and on. All these scenes, all these moments from the Gospels we know so well. Yeah. But you see it, and it, it's, I don't know, it, it shows the human side, I guess, to everyone who's involved and to Jesus himself. A more relatable, perhaps? Yeah, it... Lots of smiling, laughing, sharing stories. Um, the cool thing is the guy who plays Jesus, his name is Jonathan Rumi, he's actually ethnically Middle Eastern. Huh? He's not like a white guy they made right. look Middle Eastern. He yes. actually is a Middle Eastern. I think that is so important because, you know, I really feel like here in America, for sure, we have this watered-down version of who Jesus is physically. Right. You know, and I don't know how it's been passed down from generation to generation that he was this white-haired, blue-eyed or green-eyed right. white man. Yeah. You know, it it just it's so it seems logically so far-fetched mm-hmm. from the truth. Yep. So it's it's awesome. This guy is actually ethnically Middle Eastern. Yeah. He's dark-skinned, you know, more than olive-toned. He has, like, a really great Middle Eastern kind of beard. and Mm -hmm. I don't know. He does a great job playing Jesus. But I'll close on this. One thing I love about this show, and the title gives it away, The Chosen. So often we think that Christianity or the search for meaning of life or finding God it's all about our pursuit. It's all about us seeking. It's all about us looking for. But really, it's it's God looking for us. It's God choosing us. Right. And this show really shows that. Jesus going out and choosing people to encounter and change their life. 
bring them salvation. So right, great that, show. That's awesome. That is that's amazing. Because that's what it's all about. Yeah, check it out. The Chosen. Very nice. Anyway, what do you have, babe? Uh, well. Uh, since we've kind of run out of things to watch, we've kind of hit our peak, mm-hmm. except for those Bravo shows that yeah. we're still currently <laughs> watching that are super juicy. Right. Um, I've kind of uh, turned my attention to a few books that I uh, have ordered, and I'm super, super excited about. Um, one being Idiot <laughs> by Laura Clary. And... Um, She's super popular on social media. She does a lot of these short, um, campy, uh, viral videos. The book, it's titled Idiot. It says, Life Stories from the Creator of Help, Helen Smash. Mm -hmm. And she also does the character Pamela Pupkin, which is super, super popular right now with this whole coronavirus because she's done coronavirus Pamela Pupkin Mm -hmm. uh, skits. I think you showed me one. Yes, yes. Super, super funny. So I can't wait to dive into this. She is a comedian. And uh, so, yeah, I I have no doubt that that's going to be entertaining. And next is uh, Stassi Schroeder, Next Level Basic, the Definitive Basic Bitch Handbook. That sounds right up my alley. Um, So, (laughs) If I formed a cult, I would keep it light. No murder or Kool-Aid and just manipulate people into becoming basic AF so they could live their best life. I would be more like an Oprah-type cult leader. Benevolent, anti-murder, and very pro-bread. But, um... You know, we followed Stassi from the beginning with Vanderpump Rules, mm-hmm. and we've seen her grow. Totally. You know, from super, super immature, narcissistic, bratty, bratty. Jackson Stassi's relationship is f***ing chaotic. They're, they both live in absolutes. It's like never or forever, all the time. She's like, it was your choice to sleep on the couch last night. It really? was. Because I'm going to get in the bed with the devil. <laughs> I am the devil. Um, gotta have it my way or the highway um, easy to, you know, she's turning into a a very well-rounded yeah. <laughs> woman that's just, uh, you know, super talented um, at uh, doing nothing, really. I feel really frustrated. I just feel like I'm doing everything I possibly can to be good. And no matter what, my mom's constantly telling me that I'm not good. I don't want you to, you know. To what? Be yourself <laughs> and mess it up. I just feel like I need a, a really long break from her. Like I can't deal with it. Well, she's becoming kind of an entrepreneur yeah. with the books, right. and she also does, what, event planning? And- well, she did do event planning, but um, right in the midst, I want to say, of this whole coronavirus, Stassi was actually in the midst of her successful podcast tour. Oh, wow. So, um, in the midst of filming... Vanderpump Rules, she also started her own podcast that has just grown into this super successful listening. And what's her podcast called? Straight Up the Stasi. Ah. But it was, it's kind of like a live action comedian audience, like interactive type thing. It's really cool and mm. uh, was super successful until, you know, this whole coronavirus thing just stopped it in its tracks. So, Corona. but anyway, next level basic. Um, that'll probably be my second book that I dive into. And again, it's just everything that I love about uh, useless information, <laughs> pop culture, anything. Um, kind of a pop culture junkie, mm-hmm. you know. And then my my third book, which. Um, I actually started reading is the Tattooists of Auschwitz, and it is not a comedy book. Um, more on a serious note, but uh, it it's based on a powerful true story of love and survival. Two Jewish people who were um, in the midst of Auschwitz and uh, fell in love. Hmm. So uh, it's a great read so far. So the tattooist, I'm assuming, is the person who puts the numbers on the arm? Yes, he okay. he ends up uh, tattooing his 
Love interest. Love interest. Yes. Ooh. Sounds heartbreaking, actually. So. Yeah, but you know what? Um, well, I'm, I'm just at the beginning of it, but I think they make it out. Oh, there you go. I think they make it out. So, um, yeah, for anybody who needs uh, stuff to read right now, those books are pretty great. Pretty, nice. pretty, pretty great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Good recommendations, babe. I need to read more. That's perfect. And that is all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our little humble podcast. You could do us a huge, huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. And be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Por favor, your rating will help others find this show. And be sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you for listening. Thank you, babe, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yes. We'll see you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.